0: Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for
1: year-round events with unbelievable views. It's a fun place to to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course. It's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado, I think. You can see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicraft. That was
0: Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tea times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls, or check them out online at raccooncreek.com.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome in
0: to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Total Beverage, Yeah, Total Beverage. It's been a minute.
1: Still Total <laughs> Beverage. <coughs>
0: still, uh, still Total Beverage, a little rusty. I am your host, Jesse Montagna. We are here at the BSN offices. We are having one, uh, another one of our, our world-famous uh, BSN Avalanche Roundtable podcasts, but this is a draft edition. We are here. This is it. This is the week. It's draft week. AJ, you are getting ready to uh, to head to Vancouver, I believe, on Thursday. So we yeah. invited some of our closest friends uh, down to the office to talk about that trip. We are joined by Nathan Rudolph, Dario Ronzoni. Correct. Pff, nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, someone's microphone isn't on. I know that. I know that for sure. Make sure everyone's mic is on.
2: Am I on? It's Dario's. It's Dario's. Blowing it. It's Blown been it. a. It's been a moment. Yeah. Hey, that's all right. Yep, I'm here. That's well, da- correct. You pronounced my name correctly.
0: Perfect. I was, I was, <clears throat> I was sweating it a little bit actually. Dario, I know you and I exchanged pleasantries already, but it's always great to see you. It's been a while, so good yeah, to see it's you been,
2: it's been a little bit. I've been busy with projects. You know, um, yesterday I spent all day. I took all my watches and then I, I connected them all together in a huge belt. Nice. ends up it was a huge waste of time. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, everybody. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. AJ wasn't <laughs> me. I thought that was really oh, funny. Get, uh, getting a stink eye from yeah. AJ.
1: <laughs> Not the stink eye. <laughs> I mean, what did you
2: think was going to happen? Oh, I, uh, hey, that's exactly what I was hoping would happen. <laughs> <laughs> disappointing look.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: Nathan, good to see you. It's been a minute since uh, you and I have seen each other, but uh, we've been hearing all kinds of, of uh, you all over the BSN Avalanche podcast, so good to see you.
3: Yeah, good to be back in the office. It's It's been a while. I'll, I'll do my best to control my breathing this time, I promise.
0: <laughs> Oh, someone's always got to complain about something. It's,
1: it, you know, it's actually been a while.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's no AD's nose breathing into the mic at the old yeah. media school when the mics were fixed and they let just me, sat right below his nasal passages. Let me
1: tell you the PTSD that I got on the <laughs> conference call last week when he didn't mute his phone. <laughs> and you could just hear him breathing on it. Yeah. And I was just like. I know those days.
0: Yeah, yeah. The mic was fixed
3: right underneath his nose. He's was cam- that him? So all the notifications were dinging off. Were him?
1: I don't know. If, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you could definitely all of the all the. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of wanted to text him and be like, "Dude," but I, knowing knowing AD, like he he would have just been like, "It's cool. It's cool. Don't worry about it." So. It does sound like him. Well, uh, let's
0: let's dive into it. I think we've got I'm going to all- see
1: him in Vancouver this weekend. I'm actually excited to see old big red. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it'll well, be cool. I mean, it's only been a couple yeah, of years. got sharing an yeah. Airbnb or what? Yeah, I'm sharing an Airbnb with basically every other abs person that's there except AD. Oh, cool. Well, I mean, that's cool. Yeah.
2: So you got a big group going over? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah
1: we have uh, we rented a big house in downtown Vancouver. Oh, that oh Sounds so like so
2: much fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was going to be really
2: awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading an article of
0: thought hadn't occurred to me. That's the only major North American city that doesn't have ride share. I know. Getting around is going to be a nightmare. No For kidding.
1: For everybody else, I'm renting a car, Van-
0: so Vancouver, it'll just
3: Van- be you and a 1000 bots that bought all those tickets, yeah. so. Yeah.
0: Vancouver does not allow Uber or Lyft. Yeah. in wow. the city, so yeah.
1: yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. They uh, the Canucks owner actually released like a statement on it and really and was like and and it was funny cuz he released the statement on Twitter and people that live in Vancouver just like bombarded him. We're like you hypocrite mother beep 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 <laughs> it was like oh, okay this is apparently a thing up there okay yeah i mean for
0: for an event that size that's gonna be hell getting well, do around you,
1: do you remember leaving dallas last year remember when we left the arena we had to walk all the way around well and and we were standing there and it was all the media that was out there just waiting for their their mm-hmm. lyft or their uber or whatever to come pick them up it was ev- every only ride shares yeah. Nobody else was getting a car. Like, I'm going to be the only one there this year. Well, because of well, Vancouver, I'll I probably say, won't I'll be say, the I'll only one with on a car.
0: I'll bet you a bunch of people are going to be renting cars uh, for that exact reason. But yeah. I, I, when I saw that, yeah, whatever, I think it was when the, the owner released that statement. I was, holy smokes. Yeah. But let's get into it, guys. Um, So this isn't necessarily going to be a mock- we're kind of going to work our way from picks one to 16, because mm-hmm. that's where we all stop caring uh, in the first round. Yeah. For obvious Until the reasons. Trad
3: that trade down. but
0: Yeah. It, right. Yeah. It, we we'll m- talk about we might not even make it to 16 <laughs> as far as caring uh, for Friday night.
1: There's a pretty no, good I'm chance kidding. that when the 16th pick comes up on the board, we won't care. <laughs> one way or the other. So,
0: so we'll get into that here in just a minute. But we... Uh, we're not necessarily going to do a draft, but we're going to walk all the way, picks one through 16, kind of talking about what we think the teams might do, what your mm-hmm. options might be and what you typically try to do in a pick. Uh, once you get out of that top five, what the strategy is, what the strategy should be, what we think it should be, because uh, we know everything. So uh, do we even want to do why, that's why they're listening. Do we even want to do one and two? Um, yeah, well, well, let me ask. Let me ask everyone this. Is Jack Hughes still number one? For New
1: Jersey or, like, personally? Yes. Because I know, I know he does I not mean, have Hughes one. Yeah, I like
3: Kako better. I really do think he closed the gap with the World Championships, but ultimately I don't see New Jersey doing it. I think they stick with Hughes down the middle.
1: I think the World Championships was interesting because it showed that Kako's more ready to play in the NHL today exactly, than, than Hughes yeah. is. But I don't think it does anything for what, for for me, three years from now. And that's perfectly fair. Like... The, the belief that Hughes will eventually, you know, he'll find he'll find his footing, and then once he does, like, look out. Um, that's that's why I think Jersey is still going to go with Hughes one. That's still why I have Hughes one. Um, and and just the fact that we're talking about a center versus a wing right. here, exactly. I... Like it's when you're when you're and especially when you're in Jersey's position, you it's the center
3: yeah you have his who has been solid but mm-hmm. is he really a number one yet right mm. and Hughes
2: will be a number one so yeah I still got Hughes over Kaka but I was I, I thought maybe New Jersey since they had he that you know and then Hall and them are having some you know back and forth with the contract and mm-hmm. blah 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 I you know was about to go. and then I think you know New York could probably use a center more than a winger but you know it's probably going to go Jack and Kako 1-2, but no. I would not be totally shocked if it flipped.
0: And and my thoughts went to Taylor Hall, because you're
1: looking at that as... You can't draft for like that, though. Like, you can't draft for that. Because what if you draft Kako and you're trying to, you're okay, he's going to, you know, we're going to try and make like a super line, convince him to stay or whatever, and no, no, he, he leaves anyway. I'm
0: talking about replacing Taylor Hall well, on the wing. That's I mean, what I'm talking. I'm not talking about trying to make a super line. I'm thinking there's like Dario said, there's something going on there at Taylor Hall. He might not stick around. You have Heisher. Do you maybe try to replace Taylor Hall just in case he leaves? And if he doesn't, then you've got that super line. That's big shoes to
3: fill for Kako. <laughs> I mean yeah. Hall won an MVP there, so <laughs> I don't, I, don't I don't think don't it's beyond you the, can really put
2: that on him. Yeah, well, I don't I, think it's beyond the realm of possibility that New Jersey just likes Kako better than Hughes. But I think overall, looking at you know, all the scouting reports and just watching the guy, you know, Hughes is probably the, is still the number one prospect in the draft and likely goes number one. But I wouldn't I be shocked. I think he is. I think, well, and, and the thing with Jersey, and I've said this since Lotto Night,
1: is that they're so invested in USA hockey that they're going to know him better than just about anybody. They've got so many deep ties to that program that they're going to they're gonna know everything. Not that there's going to be many secrets about a guy that people have been watching regularly for two years. but
3: Well, and this
1: isn't a year like Hishier and
3: Patrick was either, where right. the whole draft was considered to not really have that top-end talent. Yeah. These two absolutely do. So I, I think it's a little bit more clear-cut this time.
0: So before we move up the board, I'm going to ask one last question. Had the lottery gone the way everyone had hoped, and it was the Avs picking first <laughs> who would you be wanting them to take
1: i would AJ. take I would take Hughes I'd take Hughes.
3: I'd probably take E honestly
0: yeah it's just it's just interesting i don't i don't would you take it'd probably be Hughes and finally end the whole two c yeah nonsense around here
3: but
1: if you take either one, you come out extremely. Oh, well, that, that was always how I, I felt. Is it was like, look, I have a preference. My preference would be Hughes. Yeah. But if you took Kakao, like I'm not upset about it. It's like okay, it was like back in in 2013 when they had the first pick, uh, and you know I I love Seth Jones. I love Jonathan Duran. They took McKinnon, and I I was in no way bothered by that. I was like, okay, yeah.
0: he's gonna be amazing too. Well, and especially with with Kakao, what what you and I always talk about, you can't it's it's so much harder to make a wing your cornerstone you wouldn't have to be it's hey here go join this other group of elite forwards yeah
1: and so that's why when they were in that they would have been in that spot anyway with with hughes or Kakao. it would have been like you're getting drafted to be a second line player right here's a land to play
2: next to go have fun right like how it's totally different This conversation is making me upset. (laughs) I know, I know. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh,
0: So this is really where the draft starts, and this is especially interesting, uh, or or especially where it starts to get especially interesting for the Avs. We know 1 and 2. We don't necessarily know for sure the order, but we know who's going 1 and 2. Yeah. Uh, Unless someone has seriously lost their mind in the tri-state area, we know what's going to happen there. Uh, 3 is where it's going to really start to get interesting. We're, we're hearing a lot of different things. A lot of different things are happening that are, that are making people believe all kinds of crazy stuff. We have no clue who Chicago is going to take at three and after they trade for Olimata yesterday. Does that complicate things, or does, in shouldn't. your mind, does that not change a thing?
1: It shouldn't, although I do think it's really weird that... It shouldn't, but do you think it will? Like no. I, I, okay. Stan Bowman continues to load up on slow defensemen. In a division that's getting faster every single year. He's, you know, Connor Murphy a couple of years ago, and now Ole Mata. Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are old. And it's like, yeah. okay. It, well, and, and then he goes out, and they're drafting mobile defensemen left and right. You know, Bulkfist and Mitchell and, and Yoki Haru are all really good skaters. Uh, Nick Bowden, too but he just added 4000000 million long-term You're to his right. defense. Pitt, he, so. just, he just made this another commitment to a guy with bad feet. Yeah. I, I don't understand what Chicago is doing most of the time anymore. It, it used to make a lot of sense to me, and now I just feel like they're spinning a wheel and they're just throwing darts. And I think that's going to be on draft day, too. Uh, I think they're going to take Turcotte. I've said from the beginning I think they're going to take Turcott. I don't think they're going to take Byram. I think they want the local kid. I think they like the local ties. They know him really well. It's just it's just an easy set-and-forget story, although I have heard that Trevor Zegras is in serious consideration at that pick.
0: Either of you, um, as far as who, j- just based on the way that Chicago is putting their team together, based on how last season went, where the season kind of started for them, expectations, them sinking to the bottom, they had a nice surge late, what makes sense for this Blackhawks team? Do they try to add on the back end and complement what they're—I don't know if you call that attempting to do on the back end there with all those weird pieces they're adding? Do 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 you try to throw in Byram and say, hey, all right, we're gonna fix this. We still got Duncan Keith. Mm-hmm. Do we try to fix it with Bo and Byram? What do you, what do you what do you think? What do you feel? What do you think they should do? I I can see how it would be
3: tough to add Byram given they don't really know what they already have in their prospect pipeline is yeah. Byron might just be good enough that you just do it anyway to be honest but i i think they probably lean away from it and, and that conversation gets interesting because you have a turcott who's definitely more of a surefire type nhl player he's with, very clean right mm-hmm. but maybe not quite the same high ceiling compared to zegras who you're definitely taking a risk especially if you're going for him at three but the ceiling is absolutely there. So,
2: yeah i I think uh, Bowman's got a little Pierre Lacroix in him. Uh, he still thinks they're in their window. Little little riverboat gambler. Yeah, he's gonna make this happen no matter what. Yep, I think that. Uh, oh, then he, he should trade that pick. Yeah, he yeah, right. That's what Pierre would do. Uh, he I think, <laughs> I think that. Uh, Um, They're probably going to go after the forward because Byron might be a little bit... They don't think that Duncan, Keith, and Seabrook are in the sunset or that the Mm -hmm. team is doing a reset and a retool and they need... Do they not think that or are they just begging for it? (laughs) I think that's the way Bowman's thinking. I think both of his superstars had career years, as they put it, and that they need to win now. And um, I think Turcotte, because he's just uh, a six-tool player, he's got everything, and He's uh, probably one one and done. Um, he gets into that little window they think they still have, so I think Turcotte's the guy they go for.
1: I do I do think that there's an argument to be made for Zgross just because of the position uh, with Turcott as the center. And it's like, oh, well, he'll play with Taves, but we forget. They traded for Dylan Strom last year, and Dylan Strom had 51 points in, I think, 58 games for them. Yeah, solid. Like, he was really good for them. And if he keeps that up this year you know maybe you're looking insta- instead of saying well we'll, we'll just put zegross on the wing next to one of those guys you know next to kane next to a debrincat uh you know with taves and and strom and just have all the creativity all the passing in the world uh and and cuz turcott i mean if he's the center if he's going to be down the middle and strom is legit and taves is legit did you just use the third overall pick on your third-line center?
3: Yeah. I'm, can you make Zegras work on a line with, like, a cat though, I wonder? Because I know Zegras is bigger, but he loves to be on the perimeter. And you're talking about one of the smallest players in the league in cat, and all of a sudden, if you don't have a guy that can go in and dig out pucks for you, man, that is... You're looking for something a little bit st- stronger, I'd say. I mean, I think I think
1: Z-Z-Z-Ross has some tenacity to him. He does, but but and if he's ta- if he taps into that consistently, that's can you get him which, there, is the which question. Which of course is one of those questions that yeah. we have about him as a prospect. But if if he's able to tap it, I don't have any concerns about that. If he's able to get to that level, if he's not, then I mean, we're having way different conversations well, about him entirely. That, that's anyway, fair.
3: you're not picking him at three unless you think he gets there. I right. guess so.
1: And so I, I wonder if they do talk themselves into that, you know, just are they are they going to get themselves into a position like uh, Pittsburgh did where Jordan Stahl? They just couldn't make proper use of because he was just he was buried behind Crosby and Malkin and they, you know, they ended up. OK, well, they they won a cup. And obviously, like he was great for them in the third line role. Turcock could do the same thing. Um, and then, they you know, obviously they moved him later on for a whole bunch of stuff that I don't think ended up mattering. But it was it was like you go back and you look, oh, what if they didn't take Stall? What if they took one of these other guys from that draft class? Oh, yeah. That was that better fit them long term because that was a top five pick that they basically, as soon as they took him, he was on a ticking clock because they put him right behind two guys who were going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I don't think Dylan Strom is at that level, but if he's going to be near a point-per-game guy, if he's going to be a 70-point guy, and obviously Jonathan Taves isn't going anywhere. Then are you using the third are you using the third overall pick on a guy that you're immediately burying? Hmm. Yeah, Turcott's not a wing. That's, that's the thing. is yeah. Zegross you could talk yourself into playing as a wing, and that might be where the positional value, you know, you talk yourself out of it because of it. If uh, they're all things considered equal, you know and, and Zegross also has the added ability of you draft him with him being the wing in mind. If Strom blows up, you can always move Zegras back to the middle of the ice and say, okay, well, we still have our 2C.
0: All right. I want to pause right there because that that's going to lead me into a very interesting conversation I want to have that is relative to the Avs pick and Chicago's pick, as you were just saying. So let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll dive into that, start talking about the Avs at 4. BS and Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back.
1: Alright, gonna pay some bills now, and we're gonna start with some game-changing coffee. Stravacraft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when use promo code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door.
0: Segment number 2 BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We're here having a uh, Oh, is that your phone again? Yeah, it was
1: muted again.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Here having another yeah. BSN Avalanche uh round table Jesse, AJ, Rudo and Dario here at the BSN offices. Uh I cut you off. We were technically in the middle of talking about who Chicago is going to take at three, but I thought it led to a really interesting conversation that is going to affect both picks three and four, uh, apparently. Talking about drafting for need versus taking best player available, this is uh, a very, very highly contested debate across all different major sports. When you're drafting in the first round, and I guess not even necessarily drafting in the first round— But throughout the entire draft, is it better to draft for need, or do you just take who is considered the best player available at that time? And there's a lot of different interpretations to what you consider best player available, and I guess that's what leads to um, clouding the waters, eh?
1: I think the NFL is probably the only one where you really, like, really draft for need. Because those guys come in and they play immediately. Yeah, And, you know, with the NBA, like, if you're outside of the top three or top four, you're Just praying that you get somebody good anyway it doesn't really matter the nfl is the only one where it's like okay what are our team needs that we did not fill in free agency and then we'll go into the draft and try to address those
0: because you look at the edmonton oilers maybe maybe a handful of famous examples where i mean they kept running back up to the podium first overall Mm -hmm. and they just kept taking whoever the most skilled forward was i mean i guess you could say that it inevitably worked out because they sucked for long enough to land Connor McDavid. Yeah, but that even hasn't gone very well. Oh, and I so, mean,
1: they right now it looks like they blew the Yakupov pick. They wasted the Hall pick, and then it looks like they might have blown the Pulleyarvey pick.
0: Well, right. So, so it <laughs> it's, it's big, one of those things where yeah, you say, all right, well, well, at good. the top of the draft, you, you know, wisdom says at the top of the draft you take best player available every time. Just when you're picking that high, you take the best player available. That's what. Mm. That's what the old guard has always said, right? But you look at Edmonton, you say, okay, well, that didn't work out there, even at number one four yeah. times.
1: Would they have been better taking Ryan Murray over Neil Yakupov? Well
0: Probably. Well, right, and, and so that's the question. So now we're here at three. We're talking about do the Chicago Blackhawks, do they take who might be the best player left at three, but that might be giving them kind of a, a log jam at center, and you're putting yeah. the number three overall pick in the bottom six of your lineup even best case down the road yeah and well then, and it's
1: especially that conversation i think is interesting because part of the nhl draft is you also don't draft for your current nhl team
0: well right and then and then you even look at the abs and there's this huge debate amongst abs fans right now of, do you take byram because he's just that damn good and and you don't want to risk passing on a guy like that but then you say where does he fit on this decor? Yeah. So do you pass on a guy like that for a forward maybe because that's what you need and you're you're skipping what might be the more talented player? Before we get back to the third or the fourth overall picks, I want to hear your guys' opinion on do you draft for need? Do you take whoever is considered the best player available because you don't want to risk getting burned on that five years down the road? Dario, thoughts?
2: Thoughts? I still think you draft, especially top ten. Typically, you're, you're trying to take the best player available. Um, you know, in the Oilers' case, every scout across the nation had Yakupov number one. Uh, yeah. and, you know, and it that's was a,
0: obviously just the easy one. It, it was just yes, yeah, yeah.
2: consensus. In Puljuarvi's case, I mean, he still has time to rebound, but it looks like that was a bad pick. Um, but everyone had him three, like by a landslide. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit of buzzers luck on their. Totally, case. and like I said, right. we use
0: them because that's the that's the example that comes. But out but
2: mine. you're right. In the Oilers' case, you know they didn't use any of those for defensemen, and maybe it wasn't appropriate. They kept um, making the forward over defense choice. They took Rnh over Adam Larson. Right.
1: You take Yakupov over Murray. You ju- they just kept making that choice. And I mean, years
3: later, they're trading Hall for Larson.
1: So. You know, <laughs> yeah. Even even Puliarvi, they took over Oliualevi, which it looks like both worked of those out were, okay. Either which, way, it wasn't right, going to be like, good. Yeah. Either either way, <laughs> right. you kind of like you shot yourself in the foot on that one. But right. that's like they made that choice consistently, mm-hmm. forward over D. Yeah.
2: Well, I've I've said uh, this draft. Um, is probably Heppel's most difficult task he's ever had with the Avalanche because it's such a high-profile pick, yeah. but it, it it's not easy. There's just too many factors. I even think Kale McCarr was a bit of an easier pick. There was risk. Totally. There was yeah. risks for sure because of his age, AHL competition, and things like that. But you know, this is his biggest challenge to date by far. Yeah. Um, I think there's a you know there's so many good players available that um yeah I y you pick the best one, you know, I don't know if we're talking about the Avalanche pick now, but um I don't know what Chicago's gonna do. But if they take Turcott and they have that a list of available players there, he has a big decision. It's yeah, right. it's the hardest that's, spot in the draft at that that's point. That's
3: why it's so crazy this year. I mean perfect world, the best player available is what you need. Right. And you just slam dunk it. But mm-hmm. in a draft like this one where the difference of skill level between nearly everyone from three to nine, 10, 11 is so minuscule. I do think need to come. It is not nothing. I think it does matter to who is the best player available to a team that's picking at four or five or six.
1: Well, and, and a team that maybe wants to get that guy on the ice quicker, right? You if know, you're looking lines, at a one year plan or something, like timelines are going to come into it, which is why we're talking like Turcotte. The third overall pick is probably not going to stay in school for two years. And that's why I'm saying, you. I mean, the Chicago roster is changing drastically. Colorado's in a different position where, if whoever they take, that guy could realistically stay in school for two years if Colorado
2: goes a certain direction in free agency, where they aren't looking to rush that guy. I think anyone outside of Turcotte is a two to three year project to get to the NHL.
0: I agree, and Dario, I agree with you. I I think especially inside the top ten. I, I think you've got to have, and maybe you do, AJ. Maybe you can shed some light on this. I think you've got to have your, your board. These are, mm-hmm. if, if we're not drafting, if we just had to rank these guys, this is how I've got them ranked. Mm-hmm. And then on a separate board, you've got, all right, you know, one and two are gone. Now let's kind of work our board for what we need. I think if you're in the top ten, you go off the board on the left. You go off, who do we have ranked? One, two, three, four, five. If we're just ranking guys. I think that's what you do in the top 10, especially in the Avs case where you have a second first round pick. Use that one to draft for your need to Dario's point. If you're looking at all things are the same, you're a two to three year project regardless. Mm -hmm. I think you take whoever's best because your needs, you know, we've learned so quickly, your needs shift like that in this league, you know, two years ago it was, Oh my gosh, the Avs have to do something desperate, desperately need help on their back end. Now you turn the clocks forward, you know, a year and a half, and it's, mm, I don't know, maybe you pass on Byram at four because your decor is set. Yeah. Your needs yeah. shift. Your needs change. I think you take in the top ten, the top five. You take your needs co-
1: also don't magically shift. Decisions get made to create new needs. Like they had to, you know, they got rid of Matt Duchesne and they got Sam Gerrard. They took Kale McCard, They took Connor Timmons they dedicated those resources they made those decisions to shift those right. needs and right. so but, and and you don't do that in a vacuum you know you know okay that sets up for down the road we're probably going to be not looking at defense like right. last year you know i'm i'm standing there like they're at 16 and i'm like ty smith is on the clock and i'm like come on this is a really easy decision
0: right right but those needs shifted because for so long they swung and missed on those needs and so you had to do something because how quickly – all that stuff that you just said they added, they added what, over the course of
1: I—I I mean, 11 months? I so mean, McCarr and Timmons happened on back-to-back days, and then right. and, and then Gerard th- happened in November of that same year. So those three guys entered the organization so, so in what? a six-month period. Six months. And completely changed their outlook on that back end. Well, and then on, and now two of the three have panned out.
0: Right, so, that, so that's what I'm saying. You had to do that quickly because you tried to do it for Saul and you couldn't get it right. So for me, while this isn't a need that's smacking you in the face right now, it could be in three years because you have to make trades. You have to move things around. Just like they did now, they had to take their excess and and pour it into where they were lacking. Well, you might be in a position where you're going to have to do that again here in the next year or two. If you can put a prospect like Byram into your pipeline, if he's still there, you put him in your pipeline, you draft for need 12 picks later, maybe sooner.
2: I think what's probably happening in the scouting room is that they're looking like all the draft boards are so all—they're not all over the place, but they're pretty flexible within yeah. four to eight. Um, they're saying they're, we don't have a best player available in this group of guys. I mean, there's an argument to be made that any of these are the best player available at this point in time. They're probably going to their their organizational philosophies, and that's where the GM comes into accountant heppel's always talking about hey sakic wants speed he wants skill he wants um hockey sense he wants smart players and that my character and character right but you know it's hard to find a hockey guy without character i mean i know there are a few here and there but it's really hard to define sometimes but i think that um the um that's probably where the soup is going to be made in that room and i'm not sure who they think is the guy with the best hockey sense or who's the guy with the best character. Um, and I have inklings of who that might be, but um, it's going to be a fun day. I know it's driving people crazy and they just want it to be over with at this point, but mm-hmm. I'm excited. I think this is going to be super fun, especially when we start talking about down the road at 16.
3: Yeah, It's an interesting point, though. I, I agree with you. In, for the first time in many, many years,
2: the Avs don't seem to
1: be in desperation mode
3: in the offseason, they and don't yet, need a top wing, right. they
1: don't need a 1C, they don't need a 1D. The only thing that you could argue that they need is a top goaltender, and you're not worrying about right. that at four. Exactly. It's and a really th- weird spot for a team drafting in the top five to be in.
3: And at the same time, despite the lack of desperation, this is shaping up to be one of the biggest off
0: seasons for this team in a long,
1: long time. They get this right, they probably win a cup. Right,
0: and, exactly. and it's because they're not desperate, and I think that's that's why this is such a big off season because it's for the first time in what? 12 years it's not like oh my god you have to do something yeah. or this is going to be painful it's do something to get you over the hump and yeah. that's why not to interrupt you but that's no, why i think exactly. it's so exciting is is because there's no desperation
1: right it's it's finally go time it's i would say maybe a different kind of desperation you're not desperate to be relevant but you're desperate to break through and that's, that's fair. it's, it's yeah. a different attitude it's a different approach you're not just trying to hang on and keep up. Now they're trying to make the decisions that other teams are going to look at what they do and be like, oh, Jesus. Nah, like, we don't want to play against this. These guys already a handful, and now they went and did these three things. Like, oh, my God.
0: So let's let's have a little fun with this pick then. I'm going to go around. <clears throat> I'm in the driver's seat, so this is my game. You all just have to play. Fair enough. Uh, let's say you add Byron. What does that add to this team that makes other teams say, Oh shit? Uh
1: well I mean it's your Colorado's top four becomes
0: Yeah.
3: I the point Jesse'll like here is remove Ian Cole. Insert oh, Byram.
1: Right. It's like
0: so, so so right there. you know, that's when they that it's can get- it's
1: perfect expansion draft protection, uh, because you're gonna they're gonna lose somebody. It's a, there's a decent chance it's a defenseman, especially if they keep Tyson Berry. Um, and if you add Byram, then I mean you're looking at a top pairing of Byron and Makar and then going from there.
3: Your second pairing is Gerard and whoever you want, Zadorov. Yeah. If you keep Barry, you could run
0: that. So let me ask this a different way actually. What gets Av's management excited about picking Bowen Byron? If he is there You're done well, with your defense for the next
1: decade. You, you don't have, yeah. you don't have to worry about pouring a bunch of money into it and And going out and signing guys for big money, you're just you're you're adding around the fringes.
0: Now, do you think that is more valuable? Do you think that is more valuable to them than adding what Dario was saying that Heppel talks about all the time? We need the spill, the spill, the speed, the skill, the this that you know. You're you're kind of exact everything that they've drafted for the last handful of years. How does that fit into that? How would that make
2: I think Byram supplies all of that. Um, the one thing I really like about Byram, if it's my pick, if I'm the GM and I'm making that pick, I pick Boehm. But I, the reason I love him is because he is um, he's a, a chatterbox. He's very vocal. Um, they got a bunch of church mice on the back line right now with Makar and Gerard And communication a huge part of playing um, hockey and playing on defense. I think he, he would be a bit of a glue guy down the road for them there. Um I love his first couple of steps that burst is um really important for modern day defensemen you know racing to that to the puck for that to the corner for that puck and being first on puck um and then of course he has uh, tremendous um tremendous puck skills and I, I, he's gonna be a player he's gonna be a player and I don't think the avalanche in the any time in the i can't even foresee down the road when they'll have an opportunity to draft the best defenseman and that's available. I just don't think they'll ever have that chance for a long, long time. Yeah, um, they didn't even in 2017.
1: I mean, they had to watch high school and go in front of them to a division rival. So, Would this conversation
3: gets- be different if McCarr came into the playoffs and didn't just light it up? Yes. Yes. Would we be more about Byram then?
1: I think so. Because you're you're and like you're willing to be patient with Makar, and of course, but for him to have walked in and played at the level that he did again in in that situation, you're now talking about him as a no doubt, pro, right. as a no do, like there are no concerns about him as a quality NHL player. You know, we don't we're all sitting here dreaming about that dude taking home Norris trophies we don't know if it gets that good but we the, can hope the questions about him as a quality NHL player aren't there though I agree. there's there's no longer any doubt whatsoever so i think that's a fair question um his his play definitely made it so that it was like you don't need to obsess over the number 1 d anymore you feel like you have not
0: so there's there's a handful of forwards that that could be taken at four so i'm not going to do the same little questionnaire with all of them but you know, it sounds to me like Byram checks a lot of the boxes the Avs would be looking for, even if he does play on the back end. What is it about one of the, like I said, handful of forwards, and, and you can pick one if you want, that would, that would make the Avs say, you know what, we, we like this kid. He checks all the boxes, but he doesn't fit this need. We're going to jump over him, and to your point, pass up on the bestie in the draft, you know, probably for the last time for a long, long time. What is it that's so, that gets you out of your seat so much for one of these other forwards that, that you have to pass on a guy like Byron?
1: Their higher end.
3: Yeah, it seems to be ceiling, especially with them. I, if we're going forward, I want Doc, and I know there's been a lot of chatter mm. about Zgras because of his super high ceiling. Yeah. So you're looking at a forward that, while the Abs don't need a first-line player necessarily, these are guys that you think, Somewhere down the line, probably could or will be first line players, and you can't just write that off. If you're looking at a point per game type forward,
1: D is great, but so is 80 points. Yeah, and I and for me with Byram, I've always you know he had an all he had a great year WHL like an all time great offensive season. I'm not convinced that a lot of that offense is going to translate. I see him more as like a 35 point guy in the NHL, and if and especially that his defense isn't like he isn't such a good defenseman that if a lot of that if he was going to be a 50 point guy i if i felt that way i'd feel a lot stronger about taking him at four um but if he's if he's more of like a 30 to 35 point guy i i think you're talking about more common of a guy to find you know a uh, high end defense and a guy that's going to give you 50 points like that's really really hard to find and that's where I'm like, yeah, that's a Norris guy. Take that guy. I don't think that Byram has that kind of ceiling. I think that between turcott bet- between Z. and between Doc, you're talking about, uh, and and to a lesser extent, uh, Matt Boldy. I th- I think that you're talking about guys who could all win major awards at forward, like guys that could be in those discussions, uh, and and completely change the complexion of Colorado's future and I don't know that Byram does that at any point I think Byram just solidifies your defense in a really high end way but it's also going to be a really expensive defense at some point and how many teams around the league that are pouring that much money into their defense are winning Stanley Cups because it's the big thing is you know you look at St. Louis even what did they go and do where did they go big last year in improving their team? It was all at the forward position. They didn't do anything on the back end. And
0: that and and that is actually a reason why I'm with Dario a little bit here. It's easier to find forward talent in the NHL than it is defensively.
1: But talent. not eighty point players. And that's right, where but, that's but, where I think you're having your Zgross and Doc especially with those ceilings that they have. Mm-hmm. They're on a different level than Byram, and I think that's the preference. It's easier to find a 50-point forward than a 50-point defenseman, but it's a lot harder to find an 80-point forward.
0: Right, but to to, using the example you you just used, St. Louis didn't go out and add any 80-point guys. They went out and and they added... I
1: mean... O'Reilly had 75, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he got first time yeah i, I, right, I fair, was gonna say fair. i was gonna not, say don't not
0: don't try, don't try to
1: dunk on me ryan i don't want like to i don't want to get into the Ryan. i swear to god i don't want to talk about ryan o'reilly <laughs> you hate you're about- ryan o'reilly don't oh. you aj yeah it's yeah <laughs> no, i'm just kidding only uh, in extremes about that guy like that
0: is funny what you what the, the point you made though on Twitter? this is, we can't go down this route yeah. yeah yeah you're the gonna point you made started. though was i i laughed at it and then i thought it and i was like that is totally true. Yeah. He's one or the other. But that's a conversation. It's it's very
1: day. Tyson Berry ish. Oh, jeez. Um We're, you but, just decided, you know.
0: <laughs> but to me, it's easier to go out and add an impact forward, whether it be through free agency, through a trade, than it is to add someone who's gonna be a a legitimate force on your back end. So and if I'm, you're
1: doing it via trade, what are you giving up to get him? I
0: I'm not going to play this, this. I'm just saying it's game, like but,
1: but I'm, it's probably a guy like Byram. It's probably a top D prospect or, or one of your depth D that's good. That is, is kind of buried on your depth chart a little bit and maybe looking for I, more opportunity elsewhere.
0: But this is all with the assumption again going based off of what you're talking about. You said Byram McCarr, your future top parent. You're not trading Bo Byron, Byram. He's not a bottom sure. parent well, guy.
1: Well, I mean, I think Byram is their Seth Jones when Nashville took Seth Jones. Except, in Nashville's case, Seth Jones was clearly the best player on that board, and they just got bad luck. Like, those three forwards went before him. Um, right, right. So, yeah. that a little bit different, but, like, Nashville didn't need Seth Jones. I don't think Nashville wanted Seth Jones. They just said, this guy's just too good. We, we we have to take him. And I don't think Byram is on that level. I don't think Byram is so good that you have to take him. Not with the forwards that are there, where I think they those guys have higher ceilings. And... Colorado's trying to secure Stanley Cup contention for the long term. Here, this is this is where you're doing it. It's not going to be signing Kevin Hayes. It's going to be getting this pick right with a, with a, especially uh, at forward. Whereas Byram does not transform your defense; it solidifies it. Doc or Zegras, whoever they you know Turcotte transforms their forward core.
0: And I think the other part of this too has to go back. Lot, which is one part we haven't even mentioned, what their July 1st plans are. Yeah. You know, if they feel, and again, this is, I have no new information on this. This is just devil's advocate here. If, you know, they've had conversations with different people and they feel, hey, you know, we have a shot to get Artemi Panarin. We have a real shot at this. Does that change what you do on draft day? No.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't
1: think it would either. You'd, if he was a center, yes. Even But then, he's as a left wing. Uh and, and the I mean the fact that he's he's our Timmy freaking Panarin. Right. He's an eighty point player. That's what we're he's the hardest thing to go out there and get at forward. Is a point per game guy, is a game changing forward. Uh, and the thing with Panarin is that you're doing it at the most expensive time possible. He's right in the heart of his prime, his first time in free agency. This is maximum value for that guy. He's gonna make all the monies. So, but, but no, no, it would not change it at all. If anything, it would make that forward pick even more valuable because you're going to need that guy on an ELC.
0: And I'm not necessarily advocating against taking it forward again, just playing devil's advocate here in the whole picking versus need versus best player available. It sounds a lot like we're starting to then get into that Chicago territory. Did you just draft a guy that you're going to have to be bearing in your bottom six in two years? we still don't know what's going to happen with Tyson Jost. Great playoffs from him. He started to show flashes of maybe it's there.
1: Yeah, but you definitely don't
2: pass up on a forward at 4 because of what Tyson Jost might
0: become. I'm, I understand yeah. that. I think
2: one thing that the Avalanche do is they do have a little bit of organizational depth at center. Um I uh, just a li- I I mean, when you got um you know Soderberg will be gone in a couple of years that you have um you have Bowers, you have Kamenev, you have Jost, you can even have Comfer. I mean, they may not all—they're not 80-point players. Don't get me wrong. But there's 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 layers of depth there. If 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 you have to rely on it, when I mean, we don't know what those players yeah. are going to become, that's all potential. But um, yeah, I'm curious. You know. I think Byram and Turcotte have the fewest weaknesses. I think they're the the biggest sure bets. I would agree with that. I, I would agree that sure. they're the cleanest. Yeah, yeah I think they're the cleanest. Maybe they don't have this or the the clear ceilings that, or potential that Zegris and um, Doc and uh, I'm curious what you guys like about those guys and what makes them intriguing and how, why you think they're eighty point players or potential, of course. Yeah, for me with Doc. And, and Zegers, too, it,
3: the raw skill is absolutely yeah. just amazing to watch at times, especially with Dockett, someone his size to have hands like he does. You're able to create plays that, frankly, the Avs just don't have a player like that right now. Soderberg probably comes close-ish, but he's not that type of player that Doc is capable of being, especially how he played in the playoffs this year. Uh, he showed that when he's able to use that
1: body and use his hands, it's yeah. just silly when he combines the bulldog mentality with his skill level he's unstoppable i mean he's absolutely unstoppable he is he's ryan gets like he really is he is that high end of a player he has that kind of potential in him where he could he could give you 80 80 points a year and not even break much of a sweat doing it well, especially taking but, on where it would be lesser matchups in colorado because teams are going to obsess over mckinnon
3: and and
1: you say okay well let's just
3: take him and slam dunk it but it's not the Byram, it's not the Turcotte where you say, okay, this is a surefire type guy. I think Doc will be an NHLer, but it's not nothing for him to get to his ceiling. We saw him just kind of fade into the background for a month or two this season. I think it was a 19-game stretch, something
1: like that, where he was just drifting.
3: Right, and you just can't afford to have that. And and Zgross, to some extent, too, he does a lot of things that you look at that and you go, you're not getting away with that at the NHL level. Yeah. And you can't you have to be able to change that in your game to hit their ceilings and I believe probably both of them can, but there's risk there for sure.
2: So Doc is a later birthday. He has to do another uh, year in the CHL but he doesn't qualify for the AHL even the year after that. So he's either one year in juniors directly to the Avalanche team or he's um Two years, and then he can go AHL and do more yep. development. So he's a year and a half to two years. Yeah, he's he's, he's definitely that
1: that for Colorado will matter. Yeah. Like, if they take him, they have to have a plan there.
2: Right, and then Zegres is if going he to, doesn't
1: make the roster this year. Well, wow, that'd be crazy.
2: Now Zegres is going to Wisconsin, BU. Oh, he's going to BU. Yeah, who just lost everybody. Yeah,
0: yep. Everybody.
2: Yeah everybody build on that program except the coaching staff and of course the history I mean that, it's not a bad program because no, they're not gonna look strong <laughs> starting over so okay well, what uh, so zerus the well the things I've read about doc that that are intriguing to me is that he's a rink rat he has been since he's been a little kid He's just everything is hockey he loves hockey and I think that's a big part about athletes at this level is that they love the game rather than just being good at the game yeah. And so I see potential for Doc to be to be better. Um, I don't know much about Zegris except what I've seen on, you know, very few viewings granted. But he looks like a guy who um, is super skilled, has great edge work. Um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of his first couple of steps, even though people brag about his skating a little bit. Looks like he kind of falls forward into his skate stride a little bit, kind of like. I like his. I like his
1: balance. I like his yeah. edge work. I like his agility. Yeah. Uh, his start and stop isn't great for me, right. um, but I, I. do like. Uh, he's very elusive. Uh, he does a great job of avoiding contact. He's guys that he's a guy that slips contact regularly. You don't ever see that guy get hit, square. He's got a little fire in his game um, Oh yeah well he definitely He added that in yeah. the second half he of the season a for sure. He added a lot more of that sandpaper element To what he does Where he's just Increasingly obnoxious to play against And Doc is You worry about I, I'm not worried that he, about his skating Translating to the NHL It's a work in progress It won't ever be a strength of his It's not ever something you're going to be like Oh he's a great skater um, I, He'll be an adequate skater but he's a guy that did everything for that Blades team. He was an all-situations player for them and he was a he was a dominant force for them when he wanted to be. And I just I just think that that's you're not talking about him doing it on a on a dominant team like it was a good Blades team, but it wasn't it wasn't like a Zegras piling up tons of points on a stacked team against a you know a bunch of overmatched USHL kids. You know, it's it's I prefer Doc over Zgross, but... So do I. And but, it's it's a pretty clear margin, but Zgross has the kind of skill level that you can dream on, and right. I get why all these teams love him. I,
3: I get it, too. The separation specifically for those two for me is if you're getting roughly the same ceiling projection out of both of these guys, Doc is just less risk to me.
1: He Yeah. Um, Doc is a center, and I don't have any concerns about him. I don't feel like he ever has to move to the wing. Um, z we don't know. And I, to be honest, I'm a little uncomfortable with sending a guy to Albie McConnell's shop at BU. Everybody's been burning that program down, and it's been in steady decline for the last couple of years in terms of results. Um, they're, they're, it's, the program is going in an opposite direction, and it's being propped up by its history and uh, its reputation more than reality right now and i'm nervous about sending a kid there i'm more comfortable with Turcott going to wisconsin uh to play for granado than i am with anybody that's going to be you i you know matt boldy's going to bc much much happier about that like bc's
3: program is actually shaping up pretty strong honestly yeah
1: but. well and and they've always been strong it's been it's been you know a, a down their right. their competitiveness has been a little bit lower in the but last now couple they of seem years. BU on the upswing, right. like BU's on the down. But the stability has been there. The coaching staff, those guys and and the guys that have produced so much success at BC are still there. They just went through a low. It's what happens when you when you have teenagers that you're relying on. <laughs> you know, and and BU though, I mean BU, everybody bailed on that program. All the kids from last year's team were like, "Uh uh." Uh-uh. Bowers didn't want it. Bowers was all set to return. And he watched all of his dudes leave and he was like, oh, well, "I'm not staying." And then they had internal they had internal people quitting left and right. Assistant coaches were bailing. Like it was it not a good look. Right. It's it, it's it's been in a steady decline for a couple of years now. Even the last what two years under Quinn, it was it was that way where they were loaded with NHL talent, but the results weren't there and the development has been really really iffy. I mean, a all, lot of those kids coming out of there were really hyped, haven't done a lot in the NHL yet. You can go all the way back to AJ Greer with that bailing mid-season. Yeah. It's it they they've had a lot of draft picks go in and out of there. Uh but the, a lot of those guys have not found a lot of high-end success in the NHL in recent years. And it makes, it makes me uncomfortable with a guy going to be you. It does. <clears throat> so,
0: Dario, if, if our listeners didn't understand why you said it earlier, I think they understand now why you said this is Alan Heppel's most challenging draft. I mean, we just sat here for the last 25 minutes talking about different philosophies, different players, different ways they could be drafting it for. And I, don't, I, I think, depending on what anger you're looking at, none of those were wrong. So now the Avs have to take
1: all of that and make a decision. There's a really good chance that their war room meetings were exactly like this. (laughs) And there was somebody in in the room that had one of these opinions, and then they had to figure it out. Somebody somebody has to take charge and make the final decision. Take all of this into account and say, this is how we're stacking the board. This is what our preference is. And from what I've been told, they haven't made that decision yet. They're down to three guys. But they haven't made the decision yet.
0: Wouldn't it be so nice if Chicago just passed on Turcott and everyone could just be like?
1: That's the thing. Ah, all right. We all agree. If Chicago, <laughs> if Chicago takes Zgross, the word is is that the Avs are going to pick up their jersey, sprint up to the stage,
2: dunk on Ottawa, and take Turcott. Yeah, that'd be a Matt Duchene draft all over again. You just take. Yeah. It's just obvious. You just got. Yeah. You just walk up and take it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that would... I mean, kind of like McCarr, too. Right, we, yeah. On draft day, we knew what the top four was going to be. We just didn't know the order. We had a pretty good idea of what the order
2: was going to be, and it ended up being what we thought. Is there any possibility that someone out of left field comes into the Avalanche conversation and they take a, a Boldy, a Krebs, yeah. uh, That's someone what's...
1: that no one's really... When I said that they're down to three guys,
2: Boldy's the third guy. God, I love that guy. I love that kid. There's a lot of... I know you don't. I'm not as big. You're as not fan, a biggest no. fan, but I, I think he's amazing. I I do too. I agree. with
1: I'm actually writing a feature story on him right now. So interesting. Okay. Um, no, he's Boldy is is the dark horse here. The one that we, you know, Turcotte goes, and they're deciding between you know the Doc and Zgross, and then they pull a fast one and they take Matt Boldy.
2: But no Pod Kolzen, no. Anything crazy? No, dry, no,
1: no Dylan Cousins, no Peyton Krebs. Uh, those guys are, as, as from what I've been told, those guys are not. Okay, fun, not in under consideration. For the record, neither is Byron. We spent all this time talking about him, and I've been told that he's not going to be the guy at four. Ah, uh,
0: well.
3: I mean, that makes the the conversation easier for them, right? Then you just say, this is our best forward, we're taking him.
0: I I almost think you have to. If you're in that position, you've almost got to. You've got to figure out a way to narrow that board down somehow. Just because of what we were just saying. That conversation we just had, to AJ's point, you know they had a conversation at least similar. So so you'd have to think that a few weeks ago, someone, someone, Heppel, Joe, someone had to have stood up and said, okay, we're narrowing this down we're, we're, we're either saying yeah. it's not going to be a defenseman we well, are narrowing to. it down to our five best players and we're taking whoever's left and it sounds like maybe they've made the decision of okay we're throwing we're throwing the the defense thing out because if you keep that in consideration you're going to keep doing this until the moment you walk up to the the stage assuming turcotte's not there
1: yeah if turcotte's there i think this is easy if they were to pass on Turcotte, then I have a whole lot of second guessing that goes on there.
0: All right. Well, let's. We're closing on an hour. Um, we've still got a ways to go working yeah. through the sports. Let's take one last quick break. I think the rest of this will kind of. Because I think we covered a lot right yeah. there, as far as this is. These are the conversations every team is having from from four to what? Ten? Seven, eight, nine. Yeah. yeah. Of of who's going to be left over if they're left over. So I, I, I think we can kind of breeze through these next few. Let's take one last quick break. Maybe talk a little bit about what the Avs might be thinking. there at 16 trade up, trade down, stand Pat, take the pick. Maybe even talk a little bit about uh, the one goalie that everyone's expecting to go here in the first round BSN avalanche podcast presented by total beverage. We will be right back
1: before we jump into our next segment. I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. You already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they're delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area, from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all of your holiday parties and have it delivered to your door. Download the Total Beverage app use promo code BSN10 for $10 off of that order. That's promo code BSN10 on the Total Beverage app for 10 bucks off your next liquor delivery today.
0: Third and final segment, BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host, Jesse Montano. I am here down at the BSN offices. little BSN Avalanche roundtable here. You know who's here. You know why we're here. I won't make you sit through all that again. We just spent about 30 minutes uh, arguing our case as to best player available, draft for need, um, and I think we came to no resolution, uh, just like the rest of professional well, I, sports. I, I
1: think we have everybody has their preferences, but they're not so dug in. Okay. Like if, if it ends up being one of the other guys, there's cases to be made for them, and well, that's and what makes all this so interesting.
0: And I also do think, the last, last little bit here on this, I do think it depends on... By just how much of a margin are they best player available? You know, if it was one, two, three, Byram at four, and then there's this huge drop-off to the next forward where it's like, yeah, you're hoping that guy's like a second-line guy down the road. Then it's like, okay, yeah, you take, you know. But I think that speaks to just what a good draft this is and why, even though the Avs fell to four again, I mean, been. how
1: boring would our draft coverage have been had they gotten the second pick? Like it would not, have been, it would have not, been awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it would have been, it would have been awesome. But like in terms of the last couple of weeks, all the pods you and I have done talking about all these players, they wouldn't have existed. Only talk about one guy. So <laughs> yeah, much. Right.
0: I we, love how you guys are trying to make yourself feel better. That's that's like, awesome. That's good for you guys that you found a way to cope with it. No, nah, our shows wouldn't have been as good. That's.
1: Sure, sure, sure. That sure, sure. was my conf- you know, I was with you on draft lotto night. That was conflicted that night. I was like, well, if they end up at 3 or 4, I've got something to talk about for the next month. Yeah. If they end up at 1 or 2, then my job gets get a lot real harder. you
3: interested in 16. <laughs> That's still a rough night. I was oh. I, I
0: was going to say there's no uh there's no ifs ands or buts. That sucked. uh <laughs> But um, it happened. It's over. Yeah, it's over. It's done. We're almost we're almost at the finish line. Now, here's another question. Everyone has been saying, oh, I'm happy to get the lottery over. We're finally done with Ottawa. Yeah. We're never going to be done with Ottawa. Th- this, whoever they pick will forever have that tie, and there will forever be, every time he scores, every time he scores against Ottawa, every time he does something, it's going to be, like, ah, nice. Ottawa, suck it. It's
1: just never going to go away. So, I have a, speaking of Ottawa, is there something that we could learn? Because they, it, I've, I've done my homework on this. They were going to take Kachuk at four last year, had Ottawa given him the pick. Is there something we could learn from their interest in Kachuk at four that w- would translate to this year? Because for me, there's, their, their interest in Boldy, I think, I tie back to Kachuk. They want that style of player. Otherwise, why would Boldy be in that conversation? Because I don't think his high end is that high. Like I don't, I don't think that he's has an eighty point future, but I think he's such a good two way player, and he's such a high character guy, and he's such a Swiss Army knife of a weapon that I wonder. You know, you look at Kachuk, and and while Kachuk and Boldy are a little bit different in how they get there, they have similar impacts on the game. I wonder if there's something that we could learn from their interest in Kachuk, who they they wanted Kachuk over, you know. Phillip Zadina, Barrett Hayton, all those defensemen that went last year, all those uh, guys that the other teams loaded up on, you know, the, including a Quinn Hughes. Is there something to be learned from their interest um, in Kachuk that could apply to the guys this year?
0: I think, and I think that is where <clears throat> you start getting into that conversation of you're now crossing that line of you're drafting too much for need. This is too much of something that we, we, we want something, so we're gonna go out of our way to get it. And that's where I think we go back to that last conversation where you start getting yourself in trouble if you're in the average position. Again, last year I think it was one of those things where Brady Kachuk, that's a pretty safe pick at four. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I think at the time there was quite a bit of debate as to whether Kachuk yeah. was the number four guy. I, I think yes. in hindsight Kachuk you see Zedina. him jump
3: straight to the NHL and you say, okay. Right. But at the time, I don't think, most people I think weren't expecting him to make the NHL at all. No. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Well, everyone thought he was going to be going back. I didn't even think it. I think yeah. at the time it wasn't even a debate when right. they took him. That I mean, was, was also
1: a big difference between Kachuk at four this year and whoever, if, if the Avs take a guy out of the DP, is that Kachuk had a year of college hockey under his belt. Him jumping straight to the NHL was, was plausible, especially a guy that was built like he was, who was physically mature like that. Uh, the guys this year are coming straight out of the USHL. Jack Hughes further to go, basically. Yeah. Jack Hughes will be the first guy to ever make that jump.
0: And, and like I said, I just think that's where you can you can get yourself in trouble saying, oh, we want a guy that plays this particular style. So we're going to pass on these guys who might have higher ceilings, higher this, higher that. And we're going to take this specific guy because he's got characteristics X, Y and Z that we want specifically. That's where you start getting yourself in trouble.
2: But to your initial question, AJ, I, I don't know if it, if you have to read the tea leaves, um, you know, maybe they're. Maybe what Heppel and those guys are saying is that they they're pretty comfortable with their center depth in the organization, and they're mm-hmm. looking for a power winger. I mean that, that's that's count the only... last year. What's that? I said they got they ended up with Cal last year. Right. They wanted Goodchuck. Maybe Kout so. fills the need that they wanted. I don't know, but Maybe. I think that you know the the, the organization's in good shape, but you know they could they could take a they really can't go wrong. I mean, they can go wrong and get the wrong guy. But I mean, positionally, I don't think that they can screw that up as far as what they get.
3: Yeah. I'm not advocating for moving back necessarily, but if you're sitting at seven in this draft, you're
1: just saying, whoever's left, give me. Right. Yeah. So yeah, where Buffalo ended up is really easy for them because they can, they can prefer three guys. And then when two of them go right before them, they're like, well, we don't have to make choices.
0: So, um, there's going to be mock draft pod here later this week. I think there. Yep. I think there's going to be a lot more talk about the specifics uh, of the actual draft. So I, I'm going to go ahead and, and breeze over some of the stuff that w- that we were going to talk about with some of the other teams. Yeah, so LA is th-
1: going to take Byram if he's there. Detroit's going to take Zegross if he's there.
0: Boom. Let's talk about that second first round pick that the Abs have. It ended up at 16 uh, because of the offsides. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) ended up at 16 Correct. uh, because uh, because they did not advance to the conference finals, which would have pushed their pick all the way back uh, to the last four of the first round. So they stay at 16. There's some chatter they might be interested in moving up. Uh, I'm trying to think of where we should start this. If we're at 16, what's around 16 that you think they'd be interested in, assuming they stand pat?
1: I think the conversation starts with Spencer Knight. We have this. We talked about it earlier. <laughs> they have the one C. They have the one D. They don't have that. They don't have that goalie, right? Like you hope that Grubauer's the guy, but I think I think that that's where it starts.
0: I saw Nathan move extremely quickly when you said that.
3: Uh, every time we have this conversation, I talk myself out of him.
0: So, <laughs> so, it, all right. Well, so then just fine. I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll. You really won't like answering this next question. Do you think he'll be there at 16? No. And if and if they don't think that, what are the odds they move assets to move up to take him?
3: No, I would never want to move up to take a goalie.
0: <laughs> well, I know you wouldn't, but do you think they might? Uh,
3: boy, I, I struggle to see him moving up for Knight specifically. There are some players I could see him moving up for, but not him.
2: Yeah, I don't think they move – because it, it's a – it's a bit of a luxury, i mean having two picks in the first rounds a luxury period mm. I, I don't i don't they can wait on night um but i think their window is before night you know what i'm saying knight's uh, the second the 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 two retool. Years out on a goalie at yeah. minimum yeah he's the he's the retool push i mean the the avalanche are pretty much looking at their window and i think uh you know i it would be if they're at 16 and they pick Knight, I, I'm fine with that. I know he's the best goalie apparently by far in the draft. But you know they have some, they've invested in goalies in their organization already. I'm curious w- why they don't believe in those guys, perhaps. Kind Maybe of, he'd,
0: they, he'd kind of be like the Spencer Martin after Varley's done. He was supposed to be the guy that came in and took over. That's kind of what you're talking about with. Yeah, Spencer a little bit, right you know.
2: But you know, if I think out, eh? AJ, you kind of raised your eyebrows you know, that Knight might already be gone. Um, I, I think you're right. I think um, some people really love Knight, and um, if that happens, then some other guys are going to start pushing down the line. And the intriguing, really exciting part about 16 is someone really good – because someone's going to take a flyer on someone. Someone's going to believe in someone. It happens yep. every year. There's going to be a couple of guys. We saw it twice last year with Hayden at five and Kraftsov at nine. Right. And, like, c- and neither one of those guys were
1: regularly talked about as top ten guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I knew the week of the draft, I was saying Kravtsov's going somewhere in the top ten, but he rocketed up right at the last minute. Yes, yes. And it happens every year. We see these guys; they they slip in there every single year.
2: Yeah. So I think uh, y- y- the names that you hope are pushed down the line are Podkolzin, Kozin, know, got the- Krebs, Krebs, because of his Keeley's injury. Yep. Um, there's some real intriguing. You know, someone's going to fall in love with Newhook and take him early. Yeah. You know, the, the, that 16 pick is going to be wild. I, well, I don't think Newhook gets past Montreal even if he gets that
3: Yeah.
1: Far. I, there you
3: go. I worry if 16 is maybe just on the back end of that, especially if, if people aren't interested in that second tier of defensemen and the defensemen fall. That's a big key. I, I don't think the Avs will be too interested in most of the defensemen that will be left there. We've talked about... Trying to convince ourselves into taking someone like Cider at sixteen before, but it, I really am am falling into the idea that the sweet spot in this draft is twelve, thirteen, where you're really going to get a ton of value out of whoever's left there. Well, I think Minnesota's
2: taking Knight. There you go. I saw a bunch of draft boards with Cider. Yeah. It was like ten, eleven. People have him number uh, yeah. one on their. Yeah, he's been boards. high rising one. too.
1: I think Broberg is another guy that is going to go. I think he could crack that top ten. Like if if Broberg if Broberg yeah, yeah. landed in Edmonton on draft day, like my reaction would just be like, okay. Yeah, Broberg's the exact ultra, type of player that predictable, somebody falls in pick. love with and Where you is just Minnesota do it. Picking? Twelve.
0: So, uh. that'd be if oh man, yeah, that would cost. A, if you really just wanted Spencer Knight that much, goddamn, that would cost. Well, you well in Philly, up pat. Can you
2: fl- believe the f- rumors about Philadelphia like in Knight? that, cr- that well, it blows my mind.
0: Philadelphia
1: like at 11 has has made 11 kind of open season. Like, hey, we're willing to move this pick. And I think a lot of that is with Knight in mind, knowing that a lot of those teams between 12 and 17 have interest in him. Because I, Vegas is all about that dude. You know, Vegas is another team that has kind of everything that they need. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Fleury – they don't have How much, much left at that of position end, behind yeah. him, so you know they've got it. They've got everything else. Colorado and Vegas both make sense in in that they are set in a lot of ways that they're in, in their NHL rosters. And the one big thing that they're missing is that top goaltender, that top young goaltender to come in. So it's I I think that's the conversation around those guys. I think both those teams are interested. I think. Minnesota and Florida and Arizona are all very interested and I think it'll be I think it'll be really one of the linchpins of the first round if you want to talk about a guy like a Krebs or a Cousins slipping down to 16 or even slipping into just 14 or 15 where you know if the abs if he gets that close you know the abs they don't they don't have be to be aggressive, up. right? You know, maybe you give up the Ottawa third rounder, the, the pick at the top of the third round, and you move up those two spots to go and get a guy, you know, where that's, that's where you use that capital and say, Hey, we want, we want to move up here. That's what you use that pick for. It'd be great to make that pick, but to be able to get one of these forwards that drops, you know, Boldy is another guy that I think has a chance to drop. There are going to be some teams that absolutely love him, And if those teams don't end up being the ones, you know, if they, if if something happens and somebody higher on the list, he ends up second on a couple of teams lists somewhere in the top 10, that guy's sitting there at 13, having watched Spencer Knight just get taken. Now you've got all the defensemen there. All these other, all these other factors are, are in play in those couple of picks, you know, knowing that the abs like this guy at four, it's very plausible to see them calling up a, a Florida and saying, Hey, well, you know, let's. You drop back three spots and grab whoever you like, and we'll jump up and we'll take this guy. Knowing that Florida, the last thing Florida needs to do is draft another goddamn forward.
0: (laughs) So, we kind of spin this a little bit, go back to the first segment. We said, man, really the Avs' only position needs a goaltender in this draft. That's great. If that's true, why wouldn't you be moving whatever you can to get the best goalie in this draft if that's truly your only your only real organizational position in need
1: because you can get Sogard at 47 exactly there isn't there 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 are other good goaltenders that are going to be available and you do have two third round picks you do have a mid-second round pick and while Knight is the best um he's not is he 30 picks better yeah. than the next goalie is he and mul- I mean, multiple picks. You're giving up multiple prospects at that point to go and, and sure that him, yeah. you get that guy. I don't know that he's that good. Um, some teams
3: certainly seem to believe he is, but I agree with AJ on that one. I, I wouldn't be sold on
1: being that aggressive on him. He's got great size. He's an unbelievable athlete, as we saw at the Combine. And he's extremely mature, and he destroyed his interviews. He was so good in his interviews. That's that's the trifecta for a goaltender. Like that's that's it. I this the idea that he falls out of the top twenty is almost totally foreign to me. I I have such a hard time buying that.
2: And Bennington just won the Stanley Cup. There you go. So, but who is he facing? <laughs> it's Tuukka and two Carrasque? Right. You know there there's yeah. a there's a there. You have a whole podcast debating first round goalies versus finding uh, the diamond in the rough, but. Um, it's such a. It's such a. I think people have hard time picking goalies because there's only two. Yep. And if they don't end up being high quality, they can't be fourth line wingers. Right. You know they can't add to your organization in some respect. Right. They're either you're not getting anything out of it. If you miss, you miss. You miss, then yeah, and that can hurt if it's a first round pick. What's up, Jack Campbell? You're right. So
1: Oh, on, hey, he's been a great story. Like, look at him go
2: now. Nine
1: years. I know, later. like a decade later, he's carved out a backup goaltender spot with the Kings, with, with the god awful team.
0: It's it's just interesting. Like I said, th- th- this this really is Dario. I think you nailed it earlier. This is going to be such a fascinating draft for the yeah. apps, the first round specifically, because it is. You know, and and I, I posed that question a minute ago because I I, I don't necessarily agree, disagree with with what you guys are saying about not taking night. But it's just funny because, you know, for, for someone who's out there listening that doesn't know much about, you know, drafting and how you do that kind of stuff, they're, you know, they're hearing us say, oh, you know, really the abs, the only thing they need out of this draft is is a goalie. And we didn't say that. But, yeah. you know what I mean. But then we sit there and say, no, 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 don't, you know, we don't pass, you know, you pass on that goalie or you don't trade up for him. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree, but it's just, it's interesting because, there's so much that goes into this that you say, yes, oh, God, it'd be great to have that guy. And if he, and if he falls into your lap at 16, you take him.
1: Yeah, well, and Dario said earlier, having multiple first-round picks is a luxury. Taking a goaltender in the first round is a luxury. It makes sense for teams. Who's the last first-round uh, first goaltender taken? It was Jay Cottinger a couple of years ago. That's and who team took team him? One. A team that had multiple firsts. Dallas took him and had because they had the the second first rounder, and I think they hopped up even two spots in the late twenties to go. I think, I think uh, they they switched they swapped with Chicago, and I think the point was to get ahead of Ottawa, to go and take Ottinger, and that's that's how Bowers ended up a senator.
3: It it definitely gives you more latitude, right? We've talked about it not necessarily in relation to goalies, but. Someone like Arthur
1: Kaliev at 16. Right. You have your pick at four. You you have what you fully expect to be an NHL player out of your first round, out of your whole draft class. You have that guy. You now have the freedom, the latitude to take a big swing, yeah, to go crazy, to do something that maybe you would not otherwise be comfortable doing.
2: So if they don't take the goalie, who are some other names that Avalanche fans should be familiar with? Tomasino.
1: Tomasino's my guy. They've, right. they've, they didn't, it's funny because they made a lot of news at the Combine by not interviewing him. The only team? Yeah, but they interviewed him, they, they talked to him a thousand times throughout the season. They devoted a bunch of their time to following him, specifically in the OHL. It's not hard to see why. He's a picture-perfect fit for their identity. He's an electric, blazing skater. He's going to be, he's right-handed, which they can, They absolutely care about. Um, not that they, they would pick a guy you know, based on his handedness, but it, it's a little bump for him. They've had a hard time finding those right shots and, and filling their NHL roster with some of those guys. They're gonna like that. He's 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 center, right wing, he can do a little bit of both. Electric offensive talent, amazing skater, blazing fast. Like it makes perfect sense why they are into a guy like Tomasino. It's, if he if he makes that far, what about a guy like Newhook? And Newhook is another I guy. I I love New Hook I know Rudo does, and we've talked about him at length. I just don't think he gets there, um, mm-hmm. he, just from what we've heard that the teams yeah. in front of him. He's he's become one of those.
3: Gonna go twelve to fourteen ish, fifteen yeah, if that's like, where he goes to Montreal. He's gonna
1: one end one. up. He's it's if he's there, he's absolutely in, the, in consideration for it. Maybe he's the guy. I think the three guys Newhook, Tomasino, and Knight are the guys to watch. And if the first, if two of those are gone. Uh, then you're looking at the third guy. If all three of those guys are there, that's when I think they need to look at moving down.
2: Unless, like we talked before, one of those guys just drops yeah, top like 10 a rock, type guys. right? Yeah. Like if, who's if the kid get that Boldy dropped or... all the way to the Islanders last year?
1: Um, Dobson. Yeah, Dobson. Because they got Dobson and Wallstrom, and both were the entire process. Yeah. These guys are going top ten hard, yep. and they got them at ten and eleven. Yeah. Because craftsoff because Hayton, those those decisions push guys down. And we haven't spent any of this time talking about any of the defensemen because I I, I don't know how interested they are in the D. I Hopefully we'll get some insight onto that yeah. this week. But that's – which one do you take? There's a huge glut in that second tier post-Byram. You know, who is – there's been lots of – more at Cider talk is, oh, it's it's Cider, it's Soderstrom, it's Broberg. Everybody has a favorite, exactly. right? Exactly. It's Vili it's Ginola. You know, which one of these guys stands out? I think 16 is a pick that if Colorado uses the 16th pick, it's because a guy like Knight is there, because a guy that they really like is going to be there. Otherwise, I think that it is – they don't move up for a faller, for a forward that falls out of the top 10 – they need to strongly consider moving back a couple of spots.
0: Let's uh, let's start winding this down. I'm going to ask you one last question here. Based, AJ, just on things you've heard, people you've talked to,
1: what are the odds they make the pick at 16? Um, they exist. I don't – I would not say it's as likely as them moving in either direction.
0: If they were to move up. Who's give me three guys that they would that they would move up for that, that they would move not necessarily who we think they should, who they could three guys that, that you think they're looking at on their board right now saying if those guys are there at 12, 13.
1: Yeah, I think I think Boldy and cousins are certainly two guys where if they if they slip out of there, um, the other real wild card there is pod Colson. Because you have no idea how much that Russian factor is going to play a role. If he goes six to Detroit, you know, if, if Colorado takes Zgross, L.A. takes Byram, and then Pod Podkolzin goes to Detroit, then, you know, you don't worry about it. It's, it's not going to happen. But if Pod Podkolzin gets past both Detroit and Edmonton, you know, and, and I say Edmonton because Ken Holland has a long history of being comfortable investing in Russian players, then – I don't know where he goes. I don't know how much the the Russian factor and the fact that it's it is a hard two years. You know, with all the college kids, you're saying, "Oh, well, it's going to be two years anyway," but it could be one year. You know, we didn't expect Joel Farabee to have the year he did at BU last year, and he signed after one season. Those things happen every year. Guys have surprising seasons, um, and with Pod Colson, you know, it's two years, and so he's going to be a major, major wild card in this draft class where if he gets if he gets out of the top 10 you know Colorado not afraid of taking rush they're not worried about rushing guys and he fits so many things that they need that he's another guy where if he starts to drop then I think keep an eye on Pod Colson uh Boldy and and Cousins with Krebs being another guy, I have no feel for what his preference Nobody is. Nobody
3: seems to know where Krebs is going to go right. right now.
1: That Krebs could, I, I could very easily see Krebs being this year's Joe Valeno, where that guy just keeps dropping.
0: I, I was going to say, when, when you were talking about guys that dropped, Valeno was one of the first guys. Yeah. Not, you know, To a little bit lesser
1: extent, we knew he was going to be a mid-round guy. I mean, we, th- we thought he was going to be a top half. We didn't know yeah. that Valeno was going to get to the abs last year, and that dude got all the way down to 30. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 31, yeah, that was right? Crazy.
0: I'm pretty sure he was the last pick of the first round.
1: Was did he get to 31? Because I know Detroit had like four picks in like yeah. a, yeah, I think like I, a seven pick span yeah. right at the end of the first and top of the second. Because
0: so. because I actually remember having the thought of wow, I can't believe he's going to make it to day two. Maybe you can move up and then the Red Wings yeah. went up there and
1: took him. Yeah, well, and they ended up with like Jared McIsaac and uh, like yeah, their draft was insane you know, last year. It was, yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Dario, like, like I've said multiple times, I think you nailed it. After this, I'm more confused about this draft than I was before. <laughs> uh, ju- just just in the sense of it's a good problem to have. There's a lot of good talent this year. It's the year. best
1: problem to have. Yeah, it's yeah, great. You're not dying for a guy to get to you because then the drop-off is so significant. Like in 2011, which we saw with the Avs, they had that 11th pick, and the talent stopped at 10. Yeah, And you were like... St- you look at any of those guys that got picked. All somebody had to do was fall in love with the Siemens or an Alexiak or somebody, and Colorado would have been in perfect position to snap up whoever fell. And it just didn't happen. They were dying for somebody else to get there, and it just didn't work out that way. This year, they're not in that position. They're in the driver's seat, honestly, of controlling. You know, it's so much as oh, shoot, the draft begins in Chicago because I think it's Turcotte. I think the draft really begins with Colorado. That that clear, distinct work Turcotte has separated himself from everybody else. When he goes three, I think that that's a. I, I think it really starts with Colorado because they're making the choice between all these other guys.
3: Right, that's the beautiful thing. Even someone who I is not my favorite in, in Matt Boldy, if that's who they end up with at four, I'm still coming out of that
2: saying this is solid. I feel the same way about Zegras. I, I think the most yeah. surprising thing about this draft would be coming out of it and being disappointed by their top two selections. Yeah. yeah. If they walk out with, like, a Zegras and a Knight, like,
1: you could be looking, okay, this is a longer-term focus. These are not guys that are probably going to help you in two years.
0: Which comes back to Rudo's point of that's fine.
1: Yeah. Yep, that's. I mean, you stagger those ELCs and all of us, like those ELCs, become almost How twice long can as you valuable keep it running at that point. Yeah, when when you're you you will be paying all of the core guys from the apps by the point by the time those guys show up. Uh, if you if you get some of these quicker to the NHL guys, uh, their ELCs are still going to be valuable, but they won't be you know post landis Landeskog. They stack attention. up quick then, right? Like they. They they run out fast and like all of a sudden you know oh well Kale McCarr's done well then one year later whoever you've picked it four could be done you know it's it's if it ends up being two years there's almost a different kind of value because that ELC is going to matter so much on a team that's going to get very expensive in a hurry.
0: Well yeah this uh, this definitely would have been a much shorter podcast had the uh, the lottery gone the
1: way we all had hoped. <laughs> yeah had it had it been had they gone especially if they'd gotten second.
0: Although, you know man, oh, Yeah. Well,
1: because it would have been, like, yeah, no been like the, right, It would have been a conversation. Right. It would have been like that's there. All right. We're all here. Hughes is going one. Who's going to we all agree on Kakao. All right, cool. Let's go get lunch. Although I will say <laughs> we made
0: that joke at the beginning then we spent a good 12, 13 minutes debating who might go one, and who might go two and why you would. Yeah, so I, I, I think I definitely think Kakao made that conversation
1: at least interesting at the World Championship. Crazy finish to his season. Oh, I mean, just crazy finish. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, he had a special year and I think he's going to be really good. I do think he's a little overrated, but that's okay. He's going to be a really good NHL player.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dario, do you have any last things to share with us? Draft uh, round number one here on Friday. Any last thoughts on the draft uh, on the abs?
2: Nope. Thanks for having me. Uh, It was uh, it was good to talk puck, and um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the draft, and um, that's uh, we've had a long dry spell as Avalanche fans. We're entering a new. I I really believe, firmly believe, we're entering a new winning era as fans. So this is just um, uh, icing on the cake, and I'm 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 looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. It's 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 a really weird position to be in because this is you know AJ and I laughed a lot. Uh, you know, the last couple of months of this is probably gonna be the last summer where, where, you know, the draft coverage is like, you know, really high and, and, you know, high picks and really overdrive. Cause after this, you really do, you hope and you expect that it's going to be, you know, one pick in the twenties, maybe yeah. no first round pick. Cause you're, you know, you're trying to add that last little punch at the deadline. Um, you really do. You hope that, that we're starting to move away into an era that's not as draft focused and more, um, <clears throat> results and playoffs and um banners and and things of that nature um so i i totally agree with you rudo this this is right up your eye man this is it this is you and aj this is your season all year <laughs> this is it right now um we're a few days away from from the big day last thoughts on on how the abs are going into this or just the draft in general
3: uh for all of the the arguing and and different angles and every different opinion on all of these players The Avs really do have an opportunity to to get something special out of this offseason. And I think there's a lot of paths to get to that. I don't think there's one correct path here. No matter what they do, if it's handled correctly, I think they can benefit them for a good chunk of this next coming decade.
0: Uh, AJ, I'm not going to get your final thoughts because I thought of a question. Oh. (laughs) Wouldn't it... (sighs) What would it do for the draft if you put free agency, the opening of free agency, before you had to go up and make those picks? This is the last question of the show, so make it a good answer. If you knew how your free agency shook out before you had to go selecting at the draft, how would that change things?
1: Uh, I think it would make the trade market busier uh, because teams aren't going to hedge. They're not going to be able to hedge bets and say, Oh, well, if we don't. I can't make this trade. You know, last summer LA was trying to trade for Jeff Skinner and when that didn't happen, they went out and signed Ilya Kovalchuk, you know, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Um they will have already made their free agency decisions and then I think it'll make the t- I think it would make the trade market busier because it's the last opportunity for teams to really put the finishing touches on next season's roster. Um, that would be the number one thing I think is is it would tr- it would change uh, trade the, the trade market quite a bit. I think it would make it just busier, but I don't think it would change anything in terms of the actual draft itself or t- how teams approached it. Because um, it's not it's not the NFL. It's most of these guys are not in the NHL. You know you they are getting there earlier and earlier, and you know some draft classes you'll see five guys show up. Hmm. This is just because of all the college kids involved this year. um the, uh, the even the opportunity for training camp and nine game trials and won't exist for a lot of these kids because of so many coming out of the USHL and going to college. Uh,
0: Bruno, you said something that made me think about when I asked earlier about Panarin and all that stuff, and I said, "Damn, wouldn't this just be easier if if we knew had the Avs signed someone in free agency? Then it, you know all that kind of stuff." But let's get out of here. Um a lot more draft coverage here the next couple days before uh, round one actually gets underway, including a mock draft. We have another video coming out this week talking about uh, Boldy, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, it's Matt Boldy's video.
0: Matt Boldy's video. Uh, so so still more draft coverage coming your way. AJ, you are heading out there on Thursday, so make sure you are tuned into to BSNDenver.com. Make sure your subscription is nice and tidy uh, so you can follow along with all that amazing coverage I know you're going to provide. Safe travels, AJ. I'm not going to say all your names. For everyone that you've been hearing from for the last hour, I'm Jesse Montano. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hey, BSN fans. Your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer. And we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the Bar Page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to BSNBars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network